In a world with too much pop culture to consume, one man and one woman will argue about it until they get bored. It's an epic battle between obsession and indifference, and the winner will determine... Well, very little, actually. Eric Johnson and Emily Jones star in Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. Whoever wins, we're still losers. Welcome to Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob, the podcast where we argue about something one of us is totally obsessed with. And the other has never even seen. I'm Eric Johnson. And I'm Emily Jones. If this is your first time listening, you can find more Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob at gvnpodcast.com. And you can also find all of our past episodes on iTunes and Google Play Music. Today, we're watching The Social Network, a 2010 drama about the founding of some website that I've never heard of. Um, Facebook? Nailed it. Nailed it. Perfect. Uh, Directed by David Fincher and written by Aaron Sorkin. Uh, Jesse Eisenberg stars as Mark Zuckerberg, someone I've never heard of, a brilliant but arrogant Harvard undergrad who leaves a trail of enemies in his wake. In fact, as I recall, uh, you don't get what is it like you don't get 20 million friends without making a few enemies or something like that i so th- i have two options here one is i could google it i could google to find that the slogan that was on the poster or i could look over to my side where i have the poster on my wall <laughs> <laughs> you don't get to 500 enemy you don't get to 500 friends oh, 500, 500 million friends. not 20 million jesus i fucked that up so many oh, times five, you don't 500 get to 500 million, million friends. i was pretty close i said 20 yeah. million but still yeah <laughs> it's a lot more than that yeah. Um, the entire planet is on Facebook. Anyway, uh, yeah. The Social Network co-stars Andrew Garfield as Zuckerberg's friend Eduardo Saverin and uh, Justin Timberlake as Napster co-founder Sean Parker, who, as we all know, stole it from uh, from Seth Green's character in The Italian Job. Uh, <laughs> but despite obviously knowing so many things about this movie, I've never seen it. And this is something that this came up in the course of one of our other episodes, the fact that you had never seen this this movie, which was just shocking to me. Like I felt like this was one of those movies that our our generation, like everyone our age watched it, and then everyone over forty watched the King's Speech instead. See, I saw the King's Speech that year. So did I. I saw uh, both. This well, one was you better. usually see most of the movies. Yeah. Um, I feel like I went and saw the King speech with my parents and godmother, probably. Uh, <laughs> and I did not ever see the social network. Although, in my defense, I was fairly busy in 2010. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, anyway. Uh, yes. We are going to watch this movie. Um, but I. So, I'm assuming since you own the poster that you probably own the movie as well. Uh, but I, I do, do not. So, where? how can I watch this? Uh, so you can rent it for three books from all the usual places, Amazon, iTunes, Google, Vudu. Or uh, if you want to buy it, if you are that confident in its greatness, which you should be, uh, you could buy it digitally uh, from all those places as well for like eight to ten bucks. All right. Well, I will do uh, one of those things. And you should as well, listeners. And also, after this point, we're going to spoil everything. So Spoilers be- after the break. Be prepared for that.
just watched The Social Network. Uh, and before we get to what I thought of this movie, Eric, why do you love it so much? So this is one of my all-time favorite movies, and I really earnestly say that. I'm not just saying that in the in the hyperbolic way that I sometimes talk when I just mean I like something. I mean, this is one of my favorite movies. It is such a beautiful combination of great writing, great directing. I mean, this movie... I, this is must be the sixth or seventh time I've seen this. This movie is a feast on every level. Just, <laughs> like, like you have scenes, like that first scene with uh, Jesse Eisenberg and Rooney Mara talking at the bar, where the dialogue is moving so fast, and yet you get all of it, and yet you go back, and you're thinking about it later on. Hi, Aaron Sorkin. And- how are you? <laughs> such an Aaron Sorkin scene but then you also have things like the Henley Regatta scene with that beautiful Tocha photography and that amazing remix of Peter Gint by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross and it's like holy shit these are in the same movie you you, and and plus there's the fact that all of this stuff is relevant to a incredible overarching story which is really engaging and well told and characters and i can go on so i'm not going to that no i i that um that regatta scene especially like if i'm remembering correctly it came right after the club scene right yes where where sean parker and and right where they're uh, in the club talking um and and sean parker like comes across so much like the devil in that scene (laughs) which is great but then the like the contrast to like to then that crew scene was just it was so beautiful like yep yeah well i mean this movie does a lot of that of playing with with contrast where you yeah. have for instance the two deposition rooms are very intentionally visually distinct so at first when they start intercutting you're like wait what's going on yeah and i then was it- confused about whether it was a non-linear timeline or like what exactly was happening for a yeah bit. but then i i mean i very quickly figured it out <laughs> yeah um, and then, yes, what this movie does with colors and with, with costumes, I mean, just, I mean, costumes in quotes, like apparently a lot of the, or all of the stuff that Jesse Eisenberg wears in the movie is stuff that they saw Mark Zuckerberg wearing in real photographs from his time at Harvard. <laughs> so they just, they just copied, they, they went out and just bought like, you know, the same clothes that Zuck already owned That's so funny. Um, and just put it on him. So costumes in giant air quotes. Yeah. Although <laughs> the one thing, the one thing that I will say about the costuming, other than the costuming of Mark Zuckerberg, like the fact that you're currently wearing a brown university sweatshirt, notwithstanding, and this is something that's <laughs> universal of like things set at colleges, like, Nobody wears that much school merchandise. Like every, every single shirt has to identify something about you, or, or else why do you have it? Or there has to be there has to be someone in like every scene wearing a Harvard shirt, just so we're clear we're at Harvard. And oh, then course. Dakota Johnson has to be wearing a Stanford T-shirt. And were those Stanford underwear? Like, did uh-huh. that say Stanford on her ass? Like, and that's why that's why he said, "Is your name Stanford?" Because it's written on her underwear. Oh, I didn't catch that line, but like. <laughs> yeah. I, th- that was the scene that made me go like, okay, you know, I mean, I have I, like just I'm I have a handful of things in my closet that say brown, certainly from our college radio station, like whatever I have. I have that stuff, but like it's not it's not that high a percentage of my wardrobe, nor is it that high of a percentage of of the wardrobes of that high of a percentage of people on any college campus like. But I understand they have to do it to be like we're on st- we're at Stanford now. We are no Give me longer a second at Harvard. Here. I'm, I'm I'm checking to see if the Stanford bookstore sells women's underwear that says Stanford on it. Well, the real question <laughs> is whether it did in like 2003 though. 
Well, yeah, exactly. Historical accuracy and all that. <laughs> which, which before we get to what you thought of this, I should disclaim up front that a lot of this was dramatized. Of there's, course. There's, you know, there, there are a lot of people who take this movie at face value and who think that this is the 100% documentary-style telling of the Facebook founding story. However, there's a lot about it that is one, that is 100% accurate. They, they, like, the scene where he's blogging about Erica, Rooney Mara's character. Mm-hmm. Was that taken right from his... Uh, wait, the, another they changed, pause. They changed just the to name say, of the girl. LOL. They changed the name live of the girl. But, yeah, exactly. His live <laughs> journal. Uh, Zuck on it. Uh, yeah, no. They changed the name of of, of the, the uh, of Rooney Mara's character, where she's Erica in this film, and I forget what the name of the real person was. But, but like, like, he really the, wrote those exact things. Yeah. For the record, she may look like a 34C, but she's getting all kinds of help from our friends at Victoria's Secret. She's a 34B, as in barely anything there. False advertising. The truth is, she has a nice face. God, what a fucking <laughs> douchebag. Um, so, uh, what did you think of the social network? So, well, I, to, to what you were just saying about about people thinking that this is is the um, you know God's honest truth of what happened, and like it's it's dramatized, like any based on real events thing is. I that was something I was actually I was actually really interested by throughout, and I think it was like borderline explicit about this too, like um, the the. Uh, sort of questionableness of this narrative like I was yeah. I was I was wondering that throughout that like are we supposed to take these flashback scenes at face value or like because they're obviously from the various sort of perspectives of the people involved and then and then Rashida Jones pretty much made that like 100% explicit at the end so like I think it's pretty clear that like this is one of those many cases of like everybody has a different side of the story and everybody remembers now, things differently. And The cynical take on that would be that Rashida Jones said that as a cover-your-ass line for the writer so they wouldn't get sued for, for, for <laughs> you know, for, for libel uh, or, or some... Of course. Variation thereof. Yeah, um, slander one that of That they could things. say, well, look, we, we, we told people that it wasn't accurate. So, you know, that, that, that's, that's, that's the cynical that take is, on it. That is the cynical take. And I mean, that's also probably true. But, yeah. <laughs> but like, I mean, I do, I do think it's, it's kind of like, um, I don't know. I think, I think it was also like making somewhat of a point about like some of yeah. this stuff being up for interpretation. Like, I think it's pretty clear. I think it's pretty clear that he behaved like a dick in a lot of cases. Does that mean that he stole from the Winklevi as opposed to like? I, lo- I love that you picked up on Winklevi. Just, I love- oh no, I already called. I, I already think of them as that. Like I was oh, really? actually, okay. I was actually like, oh hey, you're with me on this, Mark Zuckerberg, when he said it in the movie, because like <laughs> yeah. that's something that like I don't know, that's something the internet calls them, and also I just have a tendency to pluralize in that way. That's um, true because of this movie way more so than during the actual like lawsuit because of this movie they have the real Winklevi have become like minor like celebrities yeah. like they, they were in a commercial for like almonds or pistachios <laughs> or something like that and they were just like just casually showed to be like oh the the Winklevi like here they are yeah <laughs> yeah no I mean I tend to I tend to pluralize words that end in that way like end in s as yeah. as with an i anyway like the um. The cups, Tervis tumblers. I I generally refer to them as Tervi because I'm a douchebag. <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> real real facts. Because yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. No. So I was I was interested in that sort of whole um, whole thing going on. Uh, and overall, yeah. I mean, I liked it. As you said, like a lot of it is is like, you know, gorgeous and so well done and so well crafted and like 
Aaron Sorkin does like troubled genius asshole white men super well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, you know, and and like it's definitely like there's there are a lot of contexts in which most contexts, in fact, in which I would like hate this movie and its subject matter. because It's just like, <laughs> oh, my God. They're all, I mean, they started out as rich white asshole men and got richer and treated each other as like assholes throughout. Why do I fucking care? Um, and like, uh, you know, Aaron Sorkin is really good at making those characters compelling. Of course, a lot of people also really don't like him because he focuses so much on on characters like that. Well, often <laughs> what they don't like about him is that he focuses and, and lionizes characters like that and uh, puts down female characters yes. or depicts them at a lower level and here with Rooney Mara's character we do get she's not in very much the movie but the scenes that she's in are fantastic oh they are she's Rooney Mara Um, (laughs) who's a really good actress at one point at one point I wrote down Rooney Mara is me hello you are my voice in this movie and I thank you (laughs) exactly the internet's not written in pencil mark it's written in ink and you published that Erica Albright was a bitch right before you made some ignorant crack about my family's name, my bra size, and then rated women based on their hotness. Erica, is there a problem? No, there's no problem. And I feel like that's something where a lot of people who who correctly have criticized Aaron Sorkin, I think they, I think those works like the newsroom and others where he has just kind of like uplifted asshole men and they they they've need he, they've, those characters have needed more of a Rooney Mara type foil um yeah and you I need, think if you those need movies... Rooney Mara to call you need Rooney Mara to call Mark Zuckerberg an asshole you need CJ Craig to say right to say you know uh, that all of the things that CJ Craig ever says but the one that springs to mind is when Sam is like um is like what the women's locker rooms have bathrobes. There's like hundreds of men that work here and you know, five women. And she, she she's like, yeah. And the bathrobes are what's ridiculous. Uh-huh. Like I, I'd forgotten that. I mean, it's, not a, heavily, it's the... a heavily gift line. Like I don't even, I couldn't tell you where it is in the series. It's just like, if you search CJ Craig gif, like that will come up. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's a bizarrely like appropriate West Wing quote. Um, I don't know how closely you follow Uber news, but at oh, the yeah. time we're, re- we're recording this in early March, Uber has recently basically been shooting itself in both feet and then its kneecaps and then cutting off an arm for good measure. <laughs> so I don't very closely follow Uber news, but we've met, right? I definitely yeah. follow like feminist news. So the, the short version for anyone news. <laughs> for, for anyone who has not read about this, basically a former Uber employee wrote this damning letter uh, laying out just intense sexist and completely like um, negligent HR culture at Uber, including one incident in which the uh, the few women who were on her engineering team were denied leather jackets because and while well, like uh, over 100 men got them because they said like oh well with the unit economics we can't we can't afford to you know buy these leather jackets for these five women so therefore you just yeah. don't get any at all <laughs> and also and also i mean like it, it's it's like spinning out and getting worse and worse right now but also yep. none of this is surprising because like stories like this have been trickling out of uber for a very long time and weirdly <laughs> and weirdly it kind of can be blamed a little bit on this movie. Like, there is a thing in Silicon Valley called a programmer. It's a common uh, archetype of person. Um, and there are supposedly a lot of young men who saw this movie 
saw the parts of the movie where Mark Zuckerberg is having sex in the bathroom or people are getting drunk and kind of missed the message where this is like a tragic story of a friendship completely destroying, eating itself and people ending up sadder and lonelier by the end of it. And they decided, hey, that first part sounded great. I'm going to become to Silicon. I'm going to go to Silicon Valley and be like that. That happens <laughs> so often with things yeah. like this where people don't um, don't get those things. But actually, that brings me back to the other point that I was going yeah. to make back when we were talking about Rooney Mara, which is, you know, uh, one thing, the one, the biggest, the biggest sort of question slash criticism that I have of this movie is I kept wondering and being unsure and trying to figure out um, how self-aware it was about its like deeply problematic misogynistic elements. And I'm like, I want to give it the benefit of the doubt because it's clearly portraying Mark Zuckerberg as being an asshole when he like says shitty things about Rooney Mara and that kind of stuff. And Rooney mm-hmm. Mara is there to take him to task for it. But then like, for instance, the scene where he, he blogs about her and then makes face mash is intercut with this like, right. Essentially gratuitous shots of of this party where girls are making out and they're stripping and they're dancing together in their bras and all this kind of stuff and it's like okay now before you say it or someone listening to this shouts it at their headphones <laughs> you know i understand that that was creating a parallel where of of what he was setting up first with face mash and then with facebook where he recognized like let's take what happens in college culture and put it online and people will be really into it like very similar mm-hmm. to the moment where the friend is bothering him about like whether some girl is single and he's like holy shit that's the key to the whole thing we have to have relationship status like I I get that. And I get that that was the point that it was making that like, hey, this is just a a viral online version of like what's happening at college anyway. But also like, come on, like, you know, (laughs) scenes like like that are are just sort of completely gratuitous to me. And like, I I don't know. I mean, you can show you can show like crazy college party culture and hookup culture and all of that kind of stuff without for no reason at all parading the women around in their bras and and having them make out with each other and offering themselves up as trophies to them such that you end up with those programmers and like all of that kind of stuff where it's like so again it's like I kept going back and forth about like is this movie making a point about this or does it also not realize where it's being misogynistic? And I feel like it's kind of both. (laughs) In my head, I usually give the movie like 60 to 75% benefit of the doubt um, for, for, for that stuff. Like I do feel like it was intentionally drawing that parallel, as you say, but I also agree with you that, there, there are other ways that, you know, and this is, this is a largely male made movie. You have a male oh, writer, yeah. male director, oh, yeah. almost entirely male cast. So I think it's reasonable to assume that like other certain, a bunch of other movies where generally Hollywood has had a, a sexist, you know, preference for, for, for male voices over female voices. Still for does. Literally decades and still L- does. Pretty much always. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's possible that those scenes just never really got checked that, that, you know, so no, no one ever said like, is there another way to do this? Absolutely, that, that's my assumption. I'm not basing this on actual interviews or facts or 
anything. Well, this, but, is just, this is just my intuition. No, and I, and I think you're right. I mean, that is how that is how those things happen. I mean, whether yeah. it's whether it's you know that kind of thing or or like a fuck up in an article or in a TV show, any kind of thing. There was just a story on NPR this past week about um about uh, a new type of editor that's emerging in in publishing, um, known as yeah. a, a sensitivity reader. Where, like, you get somebody to pre-read your book, not just to edit it for, like, is this marketable and is this interesting and do we bl- uh-huh. do we buy into these characters? But, like, you know, hey, is there something that's going to, like, that's really going to, like, aff- not, not I don't want to say not uh, to offend people because, like, that sort of, well. Right, that term has kind of taken on a well, life. Well, and, there are, and there, are like... some people, there are some people who are opposed to this notion because it kind of right. casts, casts people in this, um, in this light of like it, it, it casts the whole thing in this light of like oh like we're we're, try, we're trying to like walk on eggshells and not piss people off and like it's not about that it's more just kind of like you know hey just fyi like this you, <laughs> you're being insensitive here by portraying this community that you're not a part of in this way or by mm-hmm. you know the the example that one of the people they interviewed in the story gave was uh it was like a ya fantasy book that had primarily characters of color and mm-hmm. um and like slavery was like still a part of their like collective cultural experience and background and now I, I don't know the specifics of the book so i may be telling it wrong but it, these were fantasy characters right. not living in our world and she but basically she been... basically raised the question like yo <laughs> you're ba- you're putting this in another but sort of like sort of like i i feel about you know fantasy things that aren't sabriel like right you know <laughs> hey you're you're creating a whole fantasy world like is there a reason that your brown characters have to have this have to have been enslaved at one point like there's no reason for that just cuz it's what right. happened in the US you know there's no reason so so pointing out those kinds of things anyway all of that anyway. long tangent is to say <laughs> no i think you're right and it's like you know it, with with other women or just maybe somebody being a little bit more self-aware in the in the filming process like it's not that hard to to have those same scenes but like take some of the men's shirts off too you know show show the guys sizing up the girls and the girls sizing up the guys because those kinds of things flow in both directions and just divide the scene up a little bit like you know you're young people in call in college like when you're as i as i was saying like when you're at a party like that that objectification and sizing people up is going I won't even say in both directions. It's going in all directions. Like well said. <laughs> there are men sizing up both men and women, and there are women sizing up both men, both men and women at any given college party. And like, it wouldn't be that hard to like do the same scene, but like, you know, have right. a girl take her shirt off and dance on a table, and have a guy do like another similar thing. You know, it, like it's just. It, you can, right. you I, th- can I think make there's the same... one quick shot. There's one quick shot in that party montage of like a girl like winning at poker, presumably strip poker against a bunch of guys, but you don't see the guys like you know. Exactly. This is not a parody of of you know. Uh, yeah, of, the of... the guys the guys should be in their boxers if the girl just won at strip poker. Right. Like exactly. yeah. Um. And so and, and that's the thing is it's just like yeah. I understand the value of intercutting the party scene. It's just like you can make the party scene in a way that's more conscious about not just like not just showing women in their bras for the sake of it. Similarly, right. like you can have this you can have the scenes between Dakota Johnson and Justin Timberlake that I mostly liked. Like that was good, but yeah. like you can do that without showing her naked back as she gets into the shower. There's no <laughs> reason for that. That's just there so we can look at Dakota Johnson's naked back. Hmm. Yeah. 
I like, and you know, was I, I can't remember, but I feel like I would remember if Justin Timberlake had been shirtless in that scene. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think he was. I think he was covered up with a comforter. <laughs> yeah, <he> <laughs> because we got to preserve it. We got to preserve his dignity as someone oh, yeah, who was in, in sync and wore those fucking clothes on posters <laughs> on girls' bedrooms. Like, come on. Yeah. Anyway, we're um, off on a tangent, but that was, I mean, that no, was No, but I agree. I don't really have anything to add to that, just because, like, yeah, I agree. And I, I do think, that, um, I just recently, last year, I, I read a book that was mostly about Star Wars, but had this amazing anecdote about Raiders of the Lost Ark in it, which is relevant to this discussion. Uh, so George Lucas uh, was married at the time to Marsha Lucas, who also edited, I think, uh, the original trilogy of Star Wars. She, she was one of many women in Hollywood who have like, edited oh, yeah, yeah, films. Yeah, and, I, yeah um, I know who you're talking about. Like Speaking yeah. of NPR, I think that NPR did a profile of her when uh, Episode Seven came out. Right. And so uh, when they were making Raiders of the Lost Ark and she was initially editing that... Um, she went to Lucas and Spielberg and said, um, what the hell happened to Marion? Because in the original cut, after the scene with, uh, spoilers for Raiders of the Lost Ark, I guess, if you haven't seen that for some reason, after the scene with all the Nazis and their faces melting off and Indy and Marion close their eyes, they're tied to the pole, it cut to the scene of Indy sitting with the government guys who are saying, we have top men working on it, cut to the, the, the Ark being put away into the, the, uh, the storage facility credits. And Marsha Lucas was like, um, you left your female lead tied to a post in Egypt or wherever that was. And you didn't (sighs) like do anything. And they, they were just kind of blind to it. It's one of these things where, you know, they forgot that the female character was a person. Exactly. And so, and so, you know, it wasn't malicious, but it was awful because, you know, they forgot about a major character and, gave her no like resolution whatsoever but then as a result of having a check on that if having marshall lucas saying um what the fuck you get a wonderful like old like very classic scene at the end where where marion's greeting indy outside the government building and it's like great we made the build the movie better <laughs> duh like, you know <laughs> i like, just yeah, I, I Emily even... is gesticulating very quietly but fiercely right now. Just, just, just. <laughs> I flames, flames <laughs> on the side of my face. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I mean, just duh, duh. Yeah. Put a woman yeah. in the room. Put a person of color in the room. They'll catch shit that the white men who were blind to it because they don't think about it. No offense, yep. white man, but we all have blind spots. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. This is this is I, and I know and I know that you're, you know, a progressive open-minded feminist man. So, <laughs> I'm sure you're less bad about this than some people are, but like welcome I, to I watching movies I have inside blind my spots. head. This is yeah. what it's like. The, yeah. Oh, and and so do I. I absolutely have blind spots as, you know, a yeah. white person and a person of privilege uh, from a, you know, a privileged background. Like I absolutely mm-hmm. have blind spots too. We all have blind yeah. spots. But like, yeah, specifically specifically as you know if you've ever listened to this podcast and you know having known me for many years, Eric, like this is this is what this this is what's happening in my head when I watch a movie. It's it's maddening. Um, so do you want to get to back, get back to talking about this movie? Yes, let's talk about this movie <laughs> and 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 not just the women and their bras in it. One thing that I loved about loved loved but also a little bit hated but couldn't help couldn't <laughs> help liking um, in this movie that I do think it was very self aware of was the Harvard douchiness. Yeah, and like. Now we we you know we should spell out for people why why you and I love Harvard douchiness being depicted well, on film. Well, <laughs> no, but I mean uh, love and love and hate. I mean, I mean, because yeah. like, okay, 
So, so Eric and I, as I think we've mentioned before, and is probably on our our site for this podcast, you know, we both went to Brown. Um, I and I also went to Columbia. So we're both coming from an from an Ivy League background here. Um, and Harvard, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And well, so the thing is that like I I totally have like a. Obviously, we have we have like probably a bigger like oh Harvard attitude Ugh. about Harvard than most I go people. To Harvard. But also, people have this attitude about us, like because oh, so there's some of it that I was like appreciating the like portrayal of Harvard douchebaggery, but also like especially like that um, one of the one of the first notes I wrote down was like that opening scene where he's being like such a dick talking mm-hmm. to Rooney Mara and so obsessed with the exclusiveness and the clubs of the clubs and like that final na- clubs not final fi- clubs yeah and that like clubs. and that like nasty <laughs> comment that he made about her not needing to study cuz like oh you go to BU like i that is how a lot of people assume that all of us are Oh yeah, like like people definitely think that like that's what I think about other colleges, and I don't. No, so, I don't so think that. But us us shitting on Harvard is like like grumpy making fun of Dopey for being a shorter dwarf. Yeah. Like it's 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 you know <laughs> we're at we're assholes, but also like oh we're not quite as assholey as like that. Maybe some of us are. I don't know. But also one of my some of us are assholier than thou. Yeah. yeah one of my what it's. Yeah. Anyway, um, it's it's one of those things where it's like it's like seeing seeing yourself. You're essentially seeing yourself mocked, and it's like, ah, this is so funny because it's so true, but also it hurts because it's like not true, but it is. But it's, uh. um, and and I mean, I I will say that 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 douchebaggery about looking down on other schools and stuff. That at least for me personally isn't true. But oh my god, my one of my favorite things that happened in this movie was the in like one of the conversations with the Winklevi and that other dude, um, where he's like he so angrily shouts, he's giving us the finger in the crimson, which is the Harvard newspaper, followed yep. like in the very next breath by by just like a casual throwaway reference to like, well, like once we hear what dad's lawyer has to say, blah 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 blah. And I'm just like, oh my God, like that, <laughs> that right there, that little scene, that was everything. The most entitled Ivy bullshit, and it's so perfect. <laughs> The closest thing this movie has to good guy is sort of Eduardo, but even then, not really. And, like, I feel like this movie sets you up, you know, to be sort of antagonistic to most of the characters. Yeah, like, <laughs> I would say like that's accurate. The, 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 the movie really does not pull any punches with just like, hey, here's a culture that we're going to assume that you are not a part of, but we want you to judge it. You yeah. Know? Um, so a culture, yeah, a culture of shitty people who keep screwing each other over. Exactly. Um, yeah. speaking of which, um, uh-huh. I was also really fascinated by his, like uh, going back to Mark Zuckerberg as a character. Right. Um, it, like the, the sort of total level of like cluelessness that he seemed to have about like, Act, the real world and like how how people would react to things and like that something he did would hurt someone as much as it did mm-hmm. and i just find it i just found it so striking in contrast or existing alongside like what a what a like powerful accurate intuitive sense he had of like has i guess of like what people would want from something like Facebook, like, yeah. like it, it, it's it's amazing how right he's able to be about like what Facebook should be and what will get people into it and and like what they want to have on it 
versus his like complete inability to like I don't know do that same thing like face to face. Right. Well, I mean, so this is actually another area where some folks have criticized the movie. Um, in real life, Zuckerberg is much less uh, to use the you know uh, kind of casual, possibly un PC phrase, not as Aspie. Um, yeah. This movie kind of depicts him as being somewhere on the spectrum and like there is definitely a trope in movies and tv of like in order to you know be a tech genius especially yeah especially a tech genius you know you have to be somewhere you you have to have a touch of just something off about you yeah and to be honest i've I've never met him well i mean i've been at a party where he's in in the room but i never like all right i've never talked with him but based on mr silicon valley my personal opinion is he's just kind of like a, a kind of semi-boring dude. I mean, yeah. like he he's he, he's way less. Um, it's possible that he's different in, in private, and it's possible that he was different when he was in college. But like, um, based on what I've read about him and the little that I've seen of him, like on stage or whatever, um, he, he's very different from the way Jesse Eisenberg portrays him here. Um, and I, so I think Eisenberg is really he's portraying an idea of what a genius programmer is in in our kind of collective consciousness if that makes sense yeah and you know i wonder about that because i feel like i feel like to some extent it goes it goes like all the way back to these like kind of antiquated holiday hollywood ideas we have about like a like a nerd and specifically like a science and computer nerd that right. like they're that like anyone who is into that stuff must inherently be, you know, like a socially awkward, like unable to date, you know, like right. it's like it's like all all nerds everywhere are are weird science kind of thing. You know what I mean? Exactly. And it's like, well, no, I mean, there are lots of people who like <laughs> who are into and good at computer programming that like are also great nice people who are perfectly capable of of like existing in the real world like normal people cuz they are normal people yeah. like you yeah. know and it's like i do feel like that's kind of kind of like an old an old notion of like of like oh ho, push glasses up your nose computer science geek kind of thing exactly. that like has like much more basis in in movie stereotypes than reality probably yeah not that there aren't you know computer scientists who who are so who are like who that, are socially but. awkward but like <laughs> there are people in like all fields who who are like right. that i mean i feel like i know journalists that are socially awkward even though our job is to talk to people like i <laughs> you know <laughs> it's weird i feel like i'm being talked about my ears are buzzing now <laughs> no i'm not talking about you i mean i'm not i'm not even talking i'm not even thinking of anyone specific as i say this i just like yeah i i just feel like i know people ac- we've all met people who i know people across all industries who are yeah. who are you know you know, maybe not the maybe not the best at social interaction, and it's just kind of like some people yeah. are and some people aren't. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so whether or not Zuckerberg's character in this was accurate, um, something that I noticed when I was watching this and taking notes, and we have found in the past yes. that <laughs> watching things that we love while taking notes, we suddenly notice new things. It's it's so kind of weird. Things. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, the thing is, when you love something, you don't usually watch it analytically every time you watch it. Like, you're not, like, reviewing exactly. it every time. So this time, because I was looking at it with that analytical, critical, whatever eye, um, we first meet 
Zuckerberg, and we are immediately sort of taught not to like him. We we are shown him being a complete dick to Rooney Mara's character, and it's not until later in the film. Oh that my we get god, to see this guy him... is so annoying. Is my is my only note. <laughs> the note you a, took. <laughs> my first note is is that Rooney Mara, and then my yeah. second note is oh my god, this guy is so annoying. Followed by seriously such a douchebag. This is from <laughs> the opening scene of the movie. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> But then later on in the movie, we do get to see him being legitimately funny. Like, there are a lot of scenes in the deposition where, like, he gets off these great Sorkin-esque one-liners. I think the most famous of which is that scene where in the the deposition for the Winklevi lawsuit where he's arguing with the lawyer. Mr. Zuckerberg, do I have your full attention? No. Do you think I deserve it? What? Do you think I deserve your full attention? I had to swear an oath before we began this deposition, and I don't want to perjure myself, so I have a legal obligation to say no. Okay, no. You don't think I deserve your attention? I think if your clients want to sit on my shoulders and call themselves tall, they have a right to give it a try, but there's no requirement that I enjoy sitting here listening to people lie. You have part of my attention. You have the minimum amount. The rest of my attention is back at the offices of Facebook, where my colleagues and I are doing things that no one in this room, including and especially your clients, are intellectually or creatively capable of doing. Did I adequately answer your condescending question? Stuff like that, where, where it's kind of like, no matter what you think of the character that we've been seeing, like... That's that's a good line, and in the context of the, the what's been happening in the story, it's kind of like we're, you're kind of rooting for for him in a way there to to be like yeah this this nuisance lawsuit, just these people who are who are condescendingly asking him I I don't, I don't know it, it, it it's an interesting the, the 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 writing goes interesting ways with who you're sympathetic to at different times it does in the story. that's for sure I will say like he does have a lot of good one liners but like. A lot of them are also things that most of us wouldn't say because we oh, of would, course, because we wouldn't want to uh, piss people because off. Because we were or... taught by our parents to try and be nice when we yeah, can. like they're I mean they're <laughs> funny jokes, but they're also like they're kind of dickish, like a lot of oh <laughs> absolutely. But but that's the thing is that we, we he's he's not funny in that first scene. The first scene, you know, Erica. Oh gets, yeah, no, you know, he's horrible in that first it, scene. Erica gets the only real funny line there where um, where he's talking about, oh, introducing you to people you wouldn't otherwise meet. And she goes, you would do that for me? We're dating. Just like before she comes in to deliver the, the, the crushing, you yeah. know, breakup. Which um, was, that was great, too, as a um, kind of a disorienting thing. Because um, yeah. like the first watching it for the first time, like when she said that, like I didn't. Uh, just like him, I right. didn't actually register that as sarcastic until, you know, her next line and then the next line. It was like, oh. <laughs> I'm sorry you were not sufficiently impressed with my education. And I'm sorry I don't have a robot, so we're even. I think we should just be friends. I don't want friends. I was just being polite. I have no intention of being friends with I'm you. I'm under some pressure right now from my OS class, and if we could just order some food, I think we should be. Okay, you are probably going to be a very successful computer person. You're going to go through life thinking that girls don't like you because you're a nerd. And I want you to know from the bottom of my heart that that won't be true. It'll be because you're an asshole. It's on. She's, this is, this she's you know, she's... Shit is going down right now. <laughs> yeah, she, she meant that sarcastically because that was a douchey line, which it was, not like... But then yeah. later on in the movie, and I didn't, I never noticed this until now, um, when the Winklevi are 
have taken Mark to the bike room of of the final club. Uh, they talk about how like oh well you know if you work with us this, this can rehabilitate your reputation after face right. mash. And he goes oh you would do that for me like he he, oh he completely feeds the exact same words back to them. I didn't catch that, but I did think it was interesting yeah. the way that um somebody later on pointed out like that wasn't what he wanted anyway. Like right you know that getting notorious from that incident was like totally what he wanted. Yeah. Um, um, oh, yeah. And w- one, one thing about since we were talking about this earlier with kind of the movie's depiction of, you know, truth and fiction and also its kind of attitude towards misogyny. This is one of the, the times where the real story very slightly vindicates the person because the face mash website, at least according to what I've read, had both men and women. It wasn't just comparing hot or not w- women against each other. It was a, it was the hotness of all the students at Harvard. See, so- <laughs> and why couldn't the movie have done that? There's no yeah. reason to make that change. I guess well, except the, to no, make the, re- seem- the reason the reason is to make the character less sympathetic or yeah. to, to kind of to, to pile on to the more, sense make the that- character more misogynistic. Right, and to, and to pile on to the sense that this character's motivation, his primary motivation is, you know, acceptance by elites and acceptance by women. And that these yeah. two, you know, noxious forces are, are what, what are driving him. Yeah. Um, well, and see, that's so interesting, though, because knowing knowing that definitely, definitely for me then is actually kind of a mark in the what when I was saying earlier about, like, I don't know whether... I can't decide whether the movie is self-aware about what right. it's doing with misogyny. That would indicate like, okay, that, that seems like a self-aware choice to like make the character less likable by making his act more, more misogynistic than it actually was in, mm-hmm. you know, in, in real life. That's, that is a really interesting point. And the, the other thing that Facebook, like their PR people or whatever, when they talk about the movie that they'll always point out is that w- in the early days of Facebook, Zuck like met, Priscilla Chan, who's now his wife, like it wasn't like he was like this complete, you know, sexually deprived loser who didn't have any, you know, did, wasn't meeting women. And, to, and like he was, it wasn't that he was making the company to meet women that right. they had some sort of relationship or, or friendship or something, you know, going on for a long while. Um, but that's something where um, you might have noticed in the opening credits how it says that the movie was adapted from the book The Accidental Billionaires by Ben Mesrick, yeah. which is kind of kind of a – they're fudging it a little bit there. The book and the movie came out at exactly the same time, and the way it worked – and this is, I thought this was fascinating. Said, I think it said based upon. Based upon. But, but the thing was they were written independently as well. So Ben Mesrick wrote the book at the same like simultaneously and separately from Aaron Sorkin and that they would um according this is something that Sorkin said when he actually he came to Brown and talked about this movie sometime before the newsroom came out I went to the went to see him talk and he was saying that he and Ben Mesrick would have like story meetings like they would meet up for coffee and talk about like making sure they were syncing up on some of the details that were not entirely true <laughs> wow which is That's interesting right so... like that's so curious. And so it's like every biopic exaggerates and sometimes outright falsifies things that have happened. And every it's, and every biography stakes out a thesis and a position on on like how things happened yeah. in someone's life and like you know many of many of those details are often in dispute. Yeah. And that is fascinating. Just thinking about the authorial intent and thinking about, like, you know, 
the it, it, like it, this gets at not just the misogyny but everything about how the story is told you know i i do feel That's like there so was a curious a great deal of self-awareness about when the truth is being stretched here yeah um and when yeah um yeah. I, I don't have that much more to say about it although i i will like i uh other than to say um god sean parker is, comes across <laughs> as such a con artist yeah. <laughs> like, like I, I absolutely like I fully bought into Andrew Garfield's read on that situation. Like, I, I'm not a psychiatrist, but I'm glad we've got that on the record. You're not a psychiatrist, but what? A psychiatrist would say that he was paranoid. They'll hire private detectives who will follow you day and night. You're a target for high-priced escorts. I can't prove it, but I know they tap my phones. Whatever it is that's going to trip you up, you've done already. Private behavior is a relic of a time gone by, and if somehow, someway, you've managed to live your life like the Dalai Lama, they'll make shit up, because they don't want you. They want your idea, and they want you to say thank you while you, excuse me, wipe your chin and walk away. That's what happened to you? And delusional. Yes, but there'll be payback in case brought down the record companies with Napster and Case will suffer for their sins oh, too. Sorry, you, you, didn't, you didn't bring down the record companies. They won. In court? Yeah. You want to buy a Tower Records, Eduardo? Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Especially especially at the end when, you know, he's like, when he's on the phone with him, with Mark Zuckerberg having uh, that arrest and he's like, cl- just clearly lying because like we saw the scene and then he's like somebody so, you know somebody must have planted this and like i you know i wonder who did this and like spinning it was a out man in him it was man in him sp- who planted the coke spinning <laughs> out spinning out all these conspiracy theories and it's like dude mm. we heard you talking earlier about planning that party with the intern like i we all saw you doing this like I, yeah wow <laughs> just wow yeah, I think that was kind of that, that that scene was specifically there just to make sure that no one got out of the movie unscathed. Like without without those couple scenes in there, like you could make a case that like, oh, well, Sean Parker was just recognizing a weak member of the team. But no, that that makes it very explicit. Yeah. That. Well, I mean, th- throughout, though, I mean, I like it, as I said, like in that club scene where like he really he really mm. like he's lit like he's, you know, the devil, the devil. tempting, tempting uh, Mark Zuckerberg like to the dark side kind of. And it was like. I don't know. It it very much struck me as one of those kind of like, yeah. He he came across like a con artist to me for like a lot of it. Like yeah. Anyway, um, and then I don't know. I think my only other uh, my only other thought is just like I just have to I just have to give a shout out. So I um I know that the Winklevi are kind of like sort of like antagonists in this, and yeah. like in 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 an, an almost silly way. I, I don't know. anyway, they're very much antagonists, but like. I also do have to say, like, I love Army Hammer. Like, he he's a, so good in this. He has a silly name, but he's great. I've loved him in everything that I've seen him in. Now, well, I and seen- do you know how they filmed the the Winklevoss? Do you know the like the um like Have you seen any of the people talking about how when they when this movie no, came out? No, but about another how they did person that? has the credit on IMDb. So, like, I assume right. they had another person and they just like superimposed his face. Yeah, they had the other person wearing like CGI dots on his face the yeah. way that they would have like Gollum on Lord of the Rings or whatever. So, so he was just like literally the body and yeah. then Elmer Hammer's face and voice got put over him. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um but well but that's like that's a, you know such a such a better way of doing it since we have the technology now than like guess, the, the yeah. old school way of like always like shooting every interaction they have with each other like over one of their shoulders because it's yeah, standing and you true. can't show their face you know like i just watched the episode of friends that has Ru- the one with russ 
Uh-huh. And it's like that's that's a case where it's like it's so obvious that David Schwimmer is playing both of those characters. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> um, but no, uh, I just in addition to loving Army Hammer because he's just darling. I also just have to give a shout out to the line. I'm six five, two twenty, and there's two of me. I love that line. I wrote that down. Me too. I, was... I it's so <laughs> great. Like, that's such a great line. Sorkin, like you know what, like. He, he can write a lot. Oh my he god, can, can that guy some, write? He can write some damn dialogue. Like, uh, yeah, and, and you so know, uh, you d- d- take issue with him all you will, and I certainly have my issues with Sorkin as well. But like, he can write a damn line of dialogue. And and did you did you recognize him? His cameo in this movie? Of course. Yeah. Okay. This is a, there's a lot of people who do, and a lot of people don't know what Aaron Sorkin looks like. For anyone who didn't recognize him, he's the ad executive in the meeting where uh, Eduardo wished that Mark was asleep, where 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 Mark Mark is like making the glottal stop noise. Yeah. Hey, the the yeah the gagging noise. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hey, Aaron Sorkin cameo. I wrote shortly after the note gratuitous shot of naked Dakota Johnson back. Yeah, because I think this movie came out before Sorkin had his big cameo in 30 Rock and the scene where he did the walk and talk with Liz Lemon. And so like this was for a lot of people who don't watch behind the scenes special featurettes. This is like the first time a lot of people maybe had ever seen Aaron Sorkin. Sorkin Yeah, even if they've seen all those movies. That's totally the best. That's totally the best Aaron Sorkin walk and talk, by the way. Oh, the yeah, one, The one in 30 Rock where they go in a circle. Walk with me. I'm Aaron Sorkin. The West Wing, Few Good Men, The Social Network. Studio 60. Shut up. Do you know Nick Lachey? I hear he doesn't even let you sit in the meeting. He just screams at you to see how you react. Wait, you're not really applying for this job, right? Of course I am. You've got to take work where you can find it, especially now. Our craft is dying while people are playing Angry Birds and poking each other on Facebook. What is poking anyway? Why won't anybody do it to me? I'm cool. So it's really that bad out there. I mean, you're Aaron Sorkin. Speaking of Angry Birds, do you know how to beat 11-4? It's just a red guy and a green guy. Key is do not use the green guy as a boomerang. Do we just go in a circle? Listen, lady, a gender I write extremely well if the story calls for it. This is serious. We make horse buggies and the first Model T just rolled into town. We're dinosaurs. We don't need two metaphors. That's bad writing. Not that it matters. Oh, I love 30 Rock so much. Other things that I wrote down here... Um, I already talked about the regatta scene, how fucking amazing that is. And yeah, kind of the other part of that scene. Oh, also I... shout out to College Acapella, which is such a <laughs> such a staple of campus life. Yeah, I, I, I looked it up because I, I didn't know the song, I Swear, by All For One. Um, you I, don't know that song? I don't know that song. So I had to Google the lyrics and figure it out from there. <laughs> um. And yeah, so other things that I just quick things that I wrote down. Um, there's a scene where uh, at Harvard where Zuck and Wardo are arguing about um, who I think it's after the season desist letter about like you know does Zuckerberg have to like respond to it or, mm-hmm. or like you know tell Wardo about it? And he's like you know I'm not I'm like a guy who built a nice chair and I don't have to pay anyone who's ever built a chair something like that. The real Facebook like I think years after this movie came out released a real, incredibly poorly received TV ad that starts off, Facebook is like a chair. Oh my god. I'm not kidding. I'm gonna splice it in right here. Chairs. Chairs are made so that people can sit down and take a break. Anyone can sit on a chair. And if the chair is large enough, they can sit down together. And tell jokes. Or make up stories. Or just listen. Chairs are for people, and that is why chairs are like Facebook. That's the worst. <laughs> it, it's so bad. I'll. Oh my god. Wow. Um, wow. 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 So 
My uh, only and... my only last remaining comment, just like one other item yeah. that I have to give a shout out to, is the fact that it's definitely not a a nerd movie set at an Ivy League school unless someone is writing complex equations on a window with a grease pencil. <laughs> well, I mean that's something. So um... that's very important that that happen. Otherwise, you can't see brains thinking. But but the the inventiveness of the way David Fincher shot this movie, I think, far surpasses any other movie involving programmers or anything. Like, I mean, just the fact that he makes the scene where Zuck is blogging and writing face mash and, like, all the stuff where he's just, like, spouting off all the gibberish about how he's getting the pictures from the various uh, dorms' Facebooks, he makes that fascinating oh, yeah. and gripping to look at. No, you're you're absolutely right about that. And in and in general, it it was it was much more engaging without without the screen ever looking like the Matrix, which is right. what most things look like when like hacking is happening. It's either on... the Matrix or you have the image from the screen projected onto the person's face, which is not how like that's not computers how computers work. It's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No. But but I mean like. Again, that 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 doesn't make the idea of of like writing equations on the window <laughs> like an original yeah. thought, though. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. I just got a kick out of it because it was just like that was that was one movie cliche that they definitely did is what I'm saying. Yeah, and li- literally last thought for me here is um, we keep at saying the, that. Yeah, well, uh, at the Caribbean night at a pie in this movie, uh, the little dance that Andrew Garfield does when he's walking <laughs> over to Zuck that. <laughs> cracks me up every time it is the f- i could i could just rewind and watch that over and over again because that is so like brilliant I, like tiny little bit of physical comedy that he is just so yeah. so perfectly dropped in there and i have to say in general about that scene like i i appreciated that scene a lot because it was so much like what so many college parties that I experienced were like, yep. you know, and I think that I think that there's there's a strong tendency in a lot of movies, whether they're serious movies or non-serious movies. But if like they're set in college or high school mm-hmm. and there's a party going on, like it's a really well organized raver. It's, it's like, it's, well, yeah. it's, you know, most most you know, student party scenes look like the scene that I was complaining about earlier with the girls stripping and dancing on tables right. and stuff, you know, and like at, it's it's always a rager and there are people walking around with trays of drinks and it's like, like no, <laughs> who are those people? Like no one I know. At the nice college parties I went to, there was a bartender. At most of them, you were and getting stuff for yourself out of the And the bartender fridge. was usually, the bartender was usually like a member of the frat yeah. or of whatever organization was throwing the party. Oh, always yeah no just (laughs) not at all like i don't think i've ever been to a like a non-wedding party that had had you know past drinks on trays like so so no so i just appreciated how that was just like like i don't know it was like a lame poorly attended theme party and it was just like that that's perfect there i've been to that party i've been to that is actually a party that happens and not that not that (laughs) i've probably thrown parties that are like that oh me too like (laughs) i threw a theme party last week that five people were at and like most of them were those of us who threw the party like (laughs) (laughs) and i mean we didn't we didn't try that hard but it was also just like yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> anyway I anyway i think i'm officially out of stuff to say um <laughs> me too 
I, I, I don't know, though. I mean, so before we started recording this, you said that your your recorder has nine hours on it. So I really feel like we should just keep on going. Just keep on going until we, we pass out of exhaustion here. My computer is going to pass out of exhaustion before we do that. All right. Well, this has been another great episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Emily, what are we going to be talking about next week? Um. Well... This is kind of out of left field because it entirely has to do with uh, with it happening in San Francisco where you can go see it. Mm-hmm. Um, although we did talk, we did talk a great deal about musicals recently. Um, yes. So so I guess that's that's apt. Uh, <laughs> we are going to be discussing Into the Woods and very specifically, um, not the movie we're talking, which which you've actually already seen. Um, yes. But we're talking about uh, we're going to be talking about Into the Woods, the the play, the musical, right. which is Sondheim. Yes. Okay, I just checking, just checking <laughs> the look you just gave me of just like not knowing offhand. What is Stephen the Sondheim. matter with you? <laughs> so yes, uh, Into the Woods is Sondheim. We we should we should say so. We as listeners know we record these a little bit in advance. Um, we are going to be I'm going to be going to see this in person because it happens to the like there's a touring production of it that happens to be coming to San Francisco in March, which is when we're recording this. Um, so. I'm going to see that, and I guess you're going to talk from memory next week, yeah, from yeah, viv- vivid photographic memory. Yeah, <laughs> uh, having having seen it numerous times and performed in it, like I think I'm Give good on, on Into the Woods. I will say, um, <laughs> actually, they uh, there was a production of it that was, um, and I'm I'm saying this now to to allow our listeners like a bit of lead time so they can track yeah. it down if they want to. Um, there was a produ- a production. Um, it wasn't the I don't think it was the original production, but it did feature most, if not all, of the original cast. Mm-hmm. Um, that was filmed for like PBS Great Performances or something like that, and and like that exists out there some, in, somewhere that yeah, ex- that exists online. out there in the world. I don't know if there's a if there's a way to like I, I'm pretty sure it's on YouTube. Or, not that I would advocate for that, but um, <laughs> I don't I don't know if it exists to uh, to to rent or download anywhere, but it might. Um, I know a lot of people who like grew up with that on VHS. So, yeah. so it, I mean, you might be able to find a way to, to yeah, watch you it. might be able to find that somewhere if you've never seen Into the Woods. Also, somewhere near you, like there's probably a high school that's doing a production of Into the Woods <laughs> somewhere near you sometime soon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, until next week when we talk about Into the Woods, uh, where can listeners find you online? I am on Twitter at EJ Reports. And I am on Twitter at hey hey esj. We're also is... both on Facebook, but as eh. as as previously discussed, we don't have public profiles there. So yeah, all right. I I do sort of, but yeah. in any case, I don't really post anything interesting. Um, so this is Giant Geek versus Mega Noob, ordering apple teenies to go. Ew. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> This has been Giant Geek vs. Mega Noob. For more, visit GBNPodcast.com. Oh,